Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. I think we're all set. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to episode number 268 of Underground Sports Philadelphia, right here live on Facebook and Twitch. KB and Matt coming at you live from Underground Studios. As always, show brought to you by our incredible local sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Douche Arms Pro Foot, Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, Matt, our awesome, kick-ass new friends, helping us do the damn thing. Live sports are back, the Eagles are back, and they look absolutely terrible. And we might see an injury-riddled Eagles and Phillies team this week that won't look so good. That's why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure you don't cut or snag your balls and you stay off the injury report. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because you want to be a uh, DNP, did not use penis because you cut your balls. Exactly. You do not want to have that as your designation on the injury report. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced. They actually just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes slash tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Their perfect package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower waterproof cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs which might be the most comfortable boxers i have ever put on my body they are very nice and a travel bag for you to use when we're done quarantining the perfect package 3.0 also comes with the crop preserver and crop reviver the crop preserver is anti-chafing ball deodorant which ensures that your afternoon stroll doesn't end with your balls sticking to your legs the crop reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls and it's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that give your balls a boost. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code 
USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code USP. Take your grooming game to the next level. What's going on, man? I'm living the dream as usual. The uh, the Phillies and the Eagles certainly are not. Uh, Still, again, I think we talked about this. Nightmares count as dreams, so they technically are. That is valid. We're in a court of law. Which the uh, the Eagles off to an zero two start. I did a, a rant episode that you guys will either have already heard or or hear soon. And uh, man, the offensive line look uh, looked a lot better in that game, but I don't know, man. Carson Wentz seems like he's in his head. Doug Peterson doesn't seem to be scheming things up the way that we're accustomed to. And the defense was atrocious against the Rams. And now you got big bad backdoor Burrow coming in with the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. And they might have lost to the Browns on Thursday night football in week two, but they seem like they have a confidence about them, even though they're not the best team in the world. Joe Burrow has them feeling confident in themselves. I mean, he threw 61 passes in without his an interception. Without an interception, in broke the Carson's NFL record. Um, and even in that first game, they should have won that game. I mean, the AJ Green pass interference call was a little. Yes. And then you know it could have gone to overtime if their kicker didn't um, blow out his calf. Which, by the way, he was fine the next week. It's crazy. It was <laughs> such a devastating injury. But yeah, he was he was right back at it. So this is a scrappy team that I don't I don't think you can necessarily. Just uh, pencil in the W here for for Sunday, but Eagles I think are in a lot of trouble, and, and we alluded to this last week when we talked because we kind of looked through the schedule and said if you fail to beat the Rams, go zero and two, you feel good about beating the Bengals. Like I know we just gave them a little bit of a positive boost, but this team should be beating Cincinnati. But then you go into really all of October and it's just haymaker after haymaker. Um, you've obviously gotten a I don't want to necessarily lucky. But the 49ers, it's probably best to play them when we are because talk about injury riddled. They were already were hobbled, but now they've they've lost. Uh, Nick Bosa, Garoppolo is going to be like sketchy to come back. Raheem uh, Mostert, you're going to potentially have Kittle back, but it's going to be his first game back, likely. Um, they're still not going to have like a great wide receiving core. Like if you're going to have to play the 49ers, this is the best situation. I think uh, Richard Sherman will still be on IR Eric as well. Armstead's out. So you're getting over like a reduced <laughs> 49ers. It's still a tough team. Um, but then, Super Bowl post uh, loss hangover is Well, the, the Eagles real. can relate to that, you know, like this, just the, the year from hell with just a ton of injuries and it's carried over for two extra years. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, that's been every year now for the Eagles post uh, Super Bowl and I don't know where the the change comes from exactly in this season because it's hard to in seasons past I think when we've had injuries it's been easier to say oh well you know like if we didn't have this injury we we would have done xyz I don't feel that way this year I don't even feel like a fully healthy team is really um super competitive and this opening two games has shown that now again the injuries certainly don't help but I mean at a certain point, you know, like this is just who this team is and they've been painfully average. And as a person who kind of leans towards the Miami Dolphins, I can tell you all about watching a painfully average team. <laughs> it sucks. Um, I think since the Super Bowl, actually, they're like 19 and 18. Yeah. Like it's just, they, and that they includes ha- the playoffs. Yeah, they haven't been good. They, they really haven't been a, a good team. And I think we've all kind of lost sight as well. Like just because you win a Super Bowl or you make a Super Bowl doesn't mean that you're a great team. I think the Eagles in the past have been 
spoiled by that because, you know, all throughout the early and mid 2000s, this was a team that was perennially competing all the way up to the NFC Championship and then into the, you know, the Super Bowl for like five, six straight years. That doesn't happen like ever. You know, you look at just football teams in general, they have maybe like two or three year windows, sometimes even just one year windows where they just everything kind of falls together perfectly. Um, outside of the Patriots, there's no team that has had a long-standing run at it. And even teams that you thought were great and were built beautifully and had MVP play last, you know, two, three years at, at the maximum. So, and I think you see that along a lot of sports. It's not, but football's even harder just because the roster size and the parity, but the Eagles are bad. <laughs> and <laughs> I, and I, I would like to call back actually to last year when we talked about Jalen Ramsey and I have to say... I think I was one of the only voices that was saying don't trade for him mm-hmm. because you convinced me because when you talked about giving up first round picks on an Eagles team that is already very old is going to have a very difficult cap situation to negotiate now Jalen Ramsey is not getting you anywhere like and I think even if you look at the Rams defense I don't know that Jalen Ramsey is like the difference maker he's a great player mm-hmm. definitely not disputing that but like I don't know that he's someone that moves the needle so dramatically and Think really, now, you only it, have two guys on that defense that right. are of name, and it's Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. Which, I mean, if we're going to have two guys, sure. Those <laughs> are the two guys Those are the want. two guys you could certainly take. But, I mean, think Jalen Ramsey on this team. Is is the defense even any better? I don't know. I'm happy with Darius Slay. Darius Slay's been good, but I don't even think he's been... I hesitate to say he's been super impactful simply because... I mean, when you give up, what, 27 to the Washington football team, which has looked like the worst offense, they got absolutely just massacred by Arizona, right? Which isn't like the most stout defense. They're a good defense, maybe better than we expected. But that's not like, you know, this isn't like the Bears defense that we've seen in years past where it's like so suffocating. Like, just a good defense that shut them down and we let them score so many points unanswered some of that was because of turnovers mm-hmm. put him obviously in optimal field position but, i mean you also let the rams just completely cut you the rams could do anything they wanted um that was a breeze for them and i, I just think all over the place this eagles team is just in in a bad bad situation and i think uh i think you're really staring down the barrel of just a really really difficult season that I don't think anyone expected. I think there was certainly some signs that, you know, maybe the next few years aren't going to be like the kindest to the Eagles, but like, I don't know that people are ready to see like five and 11. And I know, I think you're like, you're you there, <laughs> you're there. Like you're on that road. Uh, today's injury report, Wednesday, September 23rd, 10 guys of your 53 man roster on the injury report for whatever reason. And that includes Corey Clement with illness, who has been, a complete non-factor this season has done nothing. Uh, Fletcher Cox with an abdomen injury did not practice. Rudy Ford with a groin injury did not practice. Deshaun Jackson, not injury related rest, which that whole situation in and of itself is a whole podcast episode. Uh, did not participate. Malik Jackson rest, not injury related, did not participate. Alshon Jeffrey foot injury did not participate. The Jalen Rager news that came across today, he's going to be out six to eight weeks with a torn UCL in his thumb. He did not practice today and was placed on IR. Lane Johnson with his ankle was limited. Jason Kelsey and Jason Peters, both not injury-related. Rest, they were both limited. It's one hell of an injury report midweek. I think um, I think the, the issue is, and we've seen this not just with the Eagles. We've seen, I mean, we... 
you could talk all day about just what an injury ravaged weekend it was. And the Eagles are actually kind of lucky that they didn't have like the very serious injuries. Like we just talked about the 49ers where I think every starter on offense got hurt for them. You know, <laughs> like they, they are, are just whittled down in skill positions. Cause even, um, Tevin Coleman, I think also has it like they, any, everywhere you look on that depth chart is just absolutely decimated. So I think every team is struggling with injuries. And one of the, I think the biggest causes of that is the shortened preseason. These guys didn't have, the time necessarily to like adapt their bodies to there's a difference between you know off-season workouts and training which these guys still do right even under covid circumstances they were still finding ways to train even if it was just by themselves um you know those types of workouts and then building towards back into you know there's no rookie training camps there's no optional training camps this year there's nothing to like start building your body and getting yourself back in that physical shape and condition needed to play like the most physically demanding sport that we have um and going very quickly in you know, no preseason, really shortened training camp, uh, very different from what we've seen in years past to now playing full-speed NFL games. Um, I think that's where you're seeing a lot of these issues, and that's why you're seeing so many guys having these like rest designations at, at practice or just taking it lighter because you, you have to. You, you simply have to. And this is an Eagles team in the past has struggled quite a bit with injuries, so it's not so surprising that you're going to see that again given the circumstances of this season and it's maybe better that they're resting guys during practice rather than going full throttle but I just think um I think the Eagles strangely enough almost lucky with injuries you know but because the you talk about like torn ACLs and stuff and Achilles and those are like career altering kinds of stuff you know any any anything else is like at least you give him the rest of the season. I would be shocked to see Rager for the rest of the season. Like, cause I think when he comes back, this team maybe has two, three wins. What's the point? Yeah. You I mean, know, going into the bye him. right now, I have them potentially just with two wins on the season. Well, let's, so let's play a game. Um, <laughs> they have the Bengals coming up in this weekend. I think they beat the Bengals. The I Bengals, think they should. And if they don't, I mean, that's red flag Done. city because this is a really, really bad defense. They're definitely, I mean, this is going to be, I think, you know, like, not unlike what we saw when they played the Browns, you're like a 35 30 type mm-hmm. of game. Um, but the Eagles, I mean, if they if they can't if, if they can't even break like, and we haven't talked about how bad scoring wise the Eagles have looked. If they can't even break you know 24 against this Bengals team at home, that's an issue. Yes, that's a huge huge issue. But so then you have the 49ers. I think that could be a sneaky win, especially if you if you beat the Bengals. They're really banged up. Then you're right back in it. I, you're, you're right. You're at 2-2. Two two. Steelers, I don't see a path. I don't see a chance in I, hell of them beating the Steelers. Don't see don't see a pathway there. 2-3. and three. Ravens, no. No, way. I don't. I, Even worse. Can't convince me. Two, yeah, that might that might be a 41-10 game or something, you know? If we're lucky. So 2-4 and four, heading into the Giants. Should be a win. Should, should be beating but the I Giants. But I think it will be closer offensively than people want to give it credit for. Yes. But that's three and four now, right? Cowboys right before the bye. This Coin is toss. I mean, we pretty much split with the Cowboys every season. Yeah. So let's maybe make the home game the win, and we'll pencil you're it in. Five hundred. So you're four and four going to the bye week. You get the Giants right out of it. Should be a win. Typically, do beat the Giants. Uh, you know, both times uh, the Washington Football Team. Usually, both times, mm-hmm. but we see this year's a little different. <laughs> but. I don't, you know, Giants obviously losing Saquon Barkley's 
brutal for them. Um, Their defense is... Sterling Shepard's on the IR now. He has, like, turf yeah. toe. That's an injury that we know just lingers. They seem like perennially just rotating skill guys in and out of the injury room. So I think we're being pretty optimistic at saying after the bye, five and four, going to the Browns, kind of a toss-up. Mm-hmm. But again, that's an offense that I think can absolutely run on you. I would almost say a loss there because I think the Browns can really get rolling. Is that at Cleveland? That is at Cleveland. Yeah, I could see that one being like a 50-50, you know, whoever has possession of the ball last yes. wins that game. Uh, Seahawks at home don't <laughs> until until the day Doug Peterson beats Pete Carroll, the Seahawks will always beat the Eagles. Yeah, and I mean you're gonna be that's like Russell's MVP like this stamp right this there. This gauntlet of the schedule is worse than the pre-buy gauntlet. You're completely correct. So next, you have the Packers who have looked Aaron Rodgers is on two the weeks. biggest part of my French, the biggest fuck you tour Absolutely. of all time and. I'll admit I was um, I was kind of out on the Packers this year. I think a lot of people were mm-hmm. because you looked at last season thirteen and three. That was not a thirteen and three team. They they just kind of hobbled their way. I think of what like eight and one in one score games last yeah. season. Like just totally unsustainable. And then in and the they draft, were like you know what nothing to improve. We're not going to do the one score game shit this year. We're just going <laughs> to beat the brakes off of everyone. <laughs> we're just going to score forty points every week. And in the first round of the draft, we're just going to draft. Potentially Aaron Rodgers' replacement piss him off even more. So here you, you know go, world. So what? We're at five and seven now, right? Because I don't see us beating the Packers. Uh, the Saints. You get them at home at least, but even then, no fans. So like, what? What does that really mean? Who so knows? the Saints look worse than what I expected them to look like. Drew Brees looks his age. Drew 100%. Brees needs to call Jameis Winston's LASIK doctor. That was my next point. Is Drew Brees even the quarterback? That's a great question. I mean. The, I would not be. Sh- I don't think I'd be floored. And, and Drew Brees has had injuries pretty much every season. You know, this yeah. could be we could catch him on one of his thumb things or something. You know, um, I mean, I'd actually be more afraid of the Saints if it's Jameis, just because of his his eyes are his, fixed. He's <laughs> unbelievable. Jam- I think I think it's ridiculous that Jameis Winston isn't a starting quarterback. I know he has the turnover issues, but you got he, the can abs- he can light it up. And Absolutely, then- I don't see us winning that game. I think that's a very strong defense. I I think even if it's Drew Brees, like, not at his best, I just... I I think that I one's closer it. than what I would have said coming into the season. And that's just based off of two games right now, but I still think the Saints come away with it because by then, Michael Thomas will be back. Uh, their defense should be, you know, still pretty intact. I'm sure they'll get Emmanuel Sanders more involved in the offense. Alvin Kamara looks like a stud. And it's I think the biggest question on the Saints right now is just Drew Brees. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, I'd say we're five and eight at this yeah. point. I don't think we'd be the Saints. I agree. And then you're at Arizona Hello, playing the Cardinals. Kyler Murray MVP. I tour. mean, you're playing three potential MVPs in four weeks with the Seahawks, with Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Kyler Murray. Aaron Rodgers could even be like comeback player of the year. Honestly, yeah. like you, you, you have all those things. You're also playing Chris Carson. Who knows? You're playing Aaron Jones, uh, Alvin Kamara. And then Kyler Murray and Kenyon Drake, who are like Kyler Murray's like the best running back in the league, who and also just happens to be able to throw it for sixty yards whenever. Let's he wants. not forget DK Metcalf, Devontae Adams, uh, Michael Thomas, and DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, <laughs> that's tough. <laughs> that's tough for any team. I think that's God's a loss beat again. Darius Slay. Uh, so what? I think we we had to have missed Matthew or something at some point. Five no, and nine. Five and nine. 
Um, oh wait, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're we're good. Five and nine, and then the Cowboys. We said we're splitting. Where we, so. gave us the win, so we'll we'll say five and ten. And Dak looks great right now. <laughs> right now, yeah, we'll see. I think I think uh, I think lots of teams can put up big points against Atlanta. This that defense seems very porous. Washington football team at the end of the season. That could just be like a, that could be for last place in the East. Who yeah. knows? You know, we're sitting at five and ten. They'll, I would imagine, be hovering around a similar level. And you want to throw the running back, wide receiver combo in there for the Cowboys. It's Amari Cooper, and CD Lamb. By then, has already probably established himself as like clear number two. Michael Gallup's in there. Still. Might be a, might be in for like a, a, a sneaky offensive rookie of the year type deal. Um, Terry McLaurin. Then you have Terry McLaurin and. Uh, Antonio Gibson should be the starting. Dwayne literally better than Carson Wentz right now. Haskins. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, you, whether or not you're five or eleven or six and ten, I think you. And I think we're being pretty fair with those games. I think yeah. we gave us some winnable, like some real good wins in there. And I think all the losses to me don't seem. I, I a lot of those no. losses seem. I look at on paper. I'm like, wow. The only one that we like juggled back and forth with was the Saints, and that's just based off of Saints two and games the Browns. Right I think are just the two ones that you don't know, and you never really know how like divisional games are going to mm-hmm. go, especially against the Giants. Like, typically we do sweep them, but who knows? Honestly, Daniel Jones. I mean, he's he's a guy that you play any given week. He's like Jameis, right? He he really he's very similar. So, I think that's five and eleven, six and ten. That's where you're at. I don't. That's tough. You're That's up. a tough spot. You almost hope that this team doesn't turn it around because what what's the point in going on a run just to worsen your draft position? Um, I, I I think, but then again, this team has had issues drafting, so it's like... Howie Roseman's literally clinging on to the 2018 draft and Miles Sanders. Yeah. It's weird because, and we've I think we've talked about this before too, about his drafting. I think I've defended him um multiple times on his drafting because i think everyone everyone gets like really in depth with drafting in hindsight it is player development is the hardest thing on the planet no matter what sport you're talking about and i think in football it's it's obviously no different i think you have a lot more data with football than maybe a lot of the other sports i think baseball is probably the only other one but even then you're drafting guys potentially at 17 and not expecting them to hit the pros till 23. So it's like much different, you know, what your body can change and add. You literally have people in your organization specifically for player development. Right. Whereas football is, is, you know, you're drafted, you're there in two months working and, and, and getting ready to go. So I think he's had, he hasn't, the problem I think with Howie Roseman when it comes to drafting, I think it's, it's been a, a, a source of discussion because of the poor performances and naturally just things are going to keep getting rehashed. He hasn't had like a, he hasn't had a guy you point to and say, look at that steal that we got. Look at that great draft that we had. Miles Sanders, I think is, is a good running back, but like, he's not, you know, when you talk about Alvin Kamara, right? When you, when you talk about like these big name guys, Ezekiel Elliott's like, he's not in that tier. And I don't know that he ever necessarily will be, which is fine mm-hmm. because it's hard to break into that tier. It's, it's okay. Um, there's no, like, fingered on that guy. He's amazing. And I think there's too many head scratchers. There's There's been quite a bit of reaching. And when you keep, like, kind of doubling down on that kind of stuff, it, it gets to the point where what are we – what's the what's the process here? What's the philosophy? And I don't know that there is a, a clear and coherent one. I think his strength has always been more on, like, the number side in terms of – 
uh, contracts and cap space. I think we've had a lot of faith and a lot of success in that regard. Um, but I mean, when you're talking about rebuilding, which is where this team is headed, whether we whether we like it or not, I don't know that he's the GM for that. I, I think he I think he did well to kind of like shine the sports car, if you will, in for 2017 to make that team very good. And I think he was good at kind of like getting those those edge guys to make you just that much better or really like making sure you could pay guys to keep them around. And now like I, I just I don't know that this is his wheelhouse here where it's like, okay, well like your quarterback that you just paid a lot of money to looks pretty bad mm-hmm. and like doesn't seem to be improving much. If anything, he's regressing and he has like I <laughs> he's just having some issues. You don't really have any like discernible skill position guys to build on. You you have Miles Sanders and Jalen Rager, but like Jalen Rager has played like twenty minutes of football, and Miles Sanders, we haven't even seen him do a full year on his own. Now everything points to him being very good, and I'm confident in that. But like not established guys whatsoever. So you have both lines, either woefully inexperienced or very old. They like there's no really in between here with with this team Big time. and that's i think it's a bad spot to be in and it's it's and it all starts with howie roseman too like everybody wants to go and blame carson blame doug yes they've both been bad but everything this roster construction wise the contracts that have been given out who is on this team it starts with howie roseman like that's the top of the food chain and I, I see so much Carson slander, so much Doug slander, rightfully so. Like, they have been bad. I, I'm not saying they haven't been, but, man, if I had to if I had to ditch one today, it'd be Howie Roseman. Yeah, and I think I, I don't disagree with that, and I think I, w- I would be surprised if this offseason we don't see that kind of change because, it, you know, we just went through the schedule. I don't even know if we revisit that same ranking, like, in a week or two, if we'll say anything any different. Um, this team doesn't have like a like a a light at the end of the tunnel. There's no like player that I'm looking at that's coming back. I'm like, oh, like here we go. Like last year, like we gave ourselves like this false hope with Deshaun Jackson. Like, oh, well, like if we had Deshaun for all these games, it's like, ah, well, we're seeing what healthy Deshaun looks like, and he's just not that good. Like it, it I, or they're just not getting him involved. Yeah, but like. You know, like, is which, it the chicken or the egg right. in that situation? Which is, he, is, like, is he, you know, a 33-year-old guy that's had tons of muscle injuries and is, like, a known speedster that maybe doesn't have that breakaway speed anymore? Or is it, you know, we're just not scheming him well enough when he's, like, I don't know, one of three guys you could actually throw the ball to? And both things can be true. Right. Or is it that Carson Wentz would rather throw into double coverage for just <laughs> thing on one side? <laughs> you know, it, when, when Carson's making... I just think like crazy decisions like that. That's the fact that JJ is still on this team as of today. It's bad. Blows my mind. It's bad. But I mean, you cut bait, and what does that even do for you know? Like it's just, I it's 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 a bad situation for the Eagles that I don't know. People are really prepared for because Eagles have never really been bad for a long time. Like they've had yeah. like bad years, maybe like two at most, and it's always been kind of if not necessarily rebuild and be good again, at least have the hope of being good again, mm-hmm. right? Like, kind of bad, post Andy Reid, you get Chip Kelly, there's like, we forget, but everyone was super excited. I remember the Marcus Mariota hype. I remember it all. It was it all happened. Yep. You can't wash it away. Everyone was very excited. You know, I 
wonder what like 2023 looks like for this Philly. Like, what what does that look like? You know, and I'm I'm not totally sure. And the future is very very murky right now. Yeah, I mean, you you look back at the years that were were bad. 2005 after the Super Bowl when McNabb gets hurt and you're playing Mike McMahon, uh, dream team year, and then Andy's final season are really the only ones that kind of stick out during you know that heyday of Andy Reid. Uh, the second and third year of Chip, you don't make the playoffs, and then Doug's first year, you were seven and nine, but every other year under Doug, you either won the Super Bowl, made the uh, Made the playoffs for whatever reason and didn't do anything in the playoffs, but you made the playoffs so it looks good on paper. They're they're trending in a poor direction right now, and you they need it, to figure it out fast. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, like, this is like the 2011-12 Phillies. Like, this yep. is like the end. Like, the writing, writing's on the wall right now, like, uh, like all these guys that you loved three, four years ago just aren't good anymore. <laughs> and I'm yeah. sorry, you know, it sucks, but, um, this really feels like that time period where like everyone's kind of winding down. I wouldn't be shocked if you saw like, and I, I wouldn't be opposed to maybe selling some players, you know, at the trade deadline this year, because I, you're in such a bad cap situation as well, that it's almost better to kind of just cut loose and, and, just start to re- ease into the pain now. Like the, the mistake that that Phillies team made, right. was like kind of like fighting the good night, you know, like <laughs> they were, they didn't want to just accept their fate that listen, it's over. It's best to just start the rebuild now, or at least like start transitioning. And they made still like these win now moves. And it kind of really screwed up like th- those years there where you could have actually been starting to rebuild for something. Um, the Eagles are going to have to make that same kind of decision. And it's not as drastic as you see with baseball. Football teams can go from bad to great. I mean, we've seen it, what, the the, the 49ers last year were like a 5-12 and 12 team or, or like a 5-11 and 11 team yep. the, the year before. And 5-4-12 and, and then boom. In the Super Bowl. You know, that can happen. You know, you, you can make good decisions and, and whatever and, and get to where you want to be. But, um, yeah, I think the Eagles are – this is a, a crossroads year, I believe, for this team. And – I mean, Howie Roseman, I think, has to be the first on the list. I, I don't know that I'd fire anyone else. I think maybe like Jim Schwartz should be examined mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, the defense hasn't been good. And I don't I don't think it's even necessarily a personnel issue. I think offense I'm, I'm willing to give more leeway to because you look at those skill positions and they're just, they're just crap everywhere you look. I mean, it's bad. We talked about this last week. Nelson Aguilar was like our number one guy last year. He's like... He, he has two passes this year for the Raiders. Like, he's just not... Like, that's the guy we were depending on. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what Nelson Aguilar should be. He should be a catch-a-week guy. We were targeting him eight, nine times a game. And let's like, not forget, we drafted him in the first round. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's another issue is that the decisions being made on the draft have not been what we would call stellar. <laughs> this team, man. They're going to kill us, but, you know. I'm terrified that Joe Burrow just could come in here... Light up! Man, I tell you, I love Jerbo, man. I love he's watching so him play. good. He's uh, very fun. He's gonna light up a cigar in the in the visitors' locker room and just. Say, he's yeah, never I lost three games in a row in his life. I don't think he's ever lost two games in a row in his life. Would like Joe Burrow, man. He has he has that confidence. Specimen. Phillies though. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> how 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 quickly 
can uh, we get? Can we lose all hope? Yeah. Fair Brandon point. Workman and Heath Hembry into a rocket ship and just along with J.J. Ortega Whiteside and launch them out of here. You're gonna have to call call SpaceX, I guess, and try and sort something out for the next what up, one. Elon. Uh, yeah, I don't know when the next one is. Um, this team stinks, man. Yeah, they're up three one right now because Bryce Harper has two home runs. But thank God. Uh, his lower back pain was just <laughs> he was backpacking us for so long carrying the team um i mean what's what's new bullpen sucks and they everything else bullpen is, away man everything else is good i think we'll still limp into the playoffs but even then that's like that's like an actual question mark right now we and again it? what's the point right what's the point to lose your i mean I'll say I would love to see a playoff series, even if it is like we lose, even if we get swept, which I don't want, but like whatever, like it it would be nice to have like a, a playoff game. But I also say that because I want to be at a playoff game. <laughs> like you know, <laughs> like I don't. Hey, I mean Rob Manfred's talking about people in Texas. What a stooge! Bad idea. But by the way, before we move on completely, I was watching. Um, so obviously that Cowboys game was insane this weekend. Yes. One of the craziest games I've ever seen in my life. Um, do you like catch the cutaways to Jerry Jones box where like only he was wearing a mask and everyone yeah. was like screaming and like hugging him? And I was like, oh my Spraying God. Spraying their COVID venom on They're going to kill Jerry Jones. <laughs> like <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like no, I saw like maybe two other people. Now it was like focused in on him. So it's like, you can't see the whole box, but like, it was like, I'm assuming like his grandson or something was like hugging him and yelling in his face. And then like, I think his like actual son was like hugging him. Didn't have a, it's like, what the hell are you thinking? Like he's old. Plus there were 21,000 people. And I have to say when it was like 50, 50, every time they cut to someone in the crowd, whether it was masked or unmasked. And it it was like whole groups, whatever. It was just crazy. I like had to bring it up because it was just, I felt like my head was exploding. I was like, no one is no one going to intervene here. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see. It just sucks because like you want to have like the playoff atmosphere, and it's just not the same when you watch it on the TV and it's like sterile playoff stuff. It's, it's not fun. Um, but I mean, I think it'd be good to at least make it back into the playoffs and and have just have that feeling back. I said this last year, said it the year before. I just wanted to see this team year in the playoffs that. again. Year before that, I was like, all right, like, we're not really there yet. But So, since the Padres and, I believe, the White Sox clinched their playoff spots, there might be one other team I saw. I'll have to look this up while we're live because I have to get this out. But uh, if the Phillies end up missing the playoffs, they will have the second longest playoff drought in Major League Baseball. Only behind the Seattle Mariners. I was going to say the Mariners and what, the Pirates? It would just be the Mariners. I guess the Pirates, Pirates had what made 20, it in 2012, yeah, to like 2015 or something like that. During That's McCutcheon's like heyday. Super depressing. <laughs> That's like. <laughs> That's. That is like the ultimate like feels bad man like yep. <laughs> stat right there. That's terrible. Can you guess the Phillies' record the last three years in September, before today? I, can I give you like a winning percentage? I don't know if I could do a. I I think they've. They've definitely been below 500. I would mm-hmm. say like 0. .400. So 2018, they were 8 and 20. That was an epic collapse. That was a wasn't that Fortnite TV year? Yes, <laughs> that was a Wacka TV. Uh, 2019, 12 and 16. That's a sucks, but not 
some improvement, I guess. And uh, this this year, right before today's game, twelve and fourteen. Still time to trend upward. <laughs> there's still <laughs> there's still technically what four games, including tonight's. Uh, yes, tonight is there's four st- left. There's still time there. Yeah, here it is. So, uh, I think it was Megan Montemiro, John Stolness said that uh, with the Padres getting in and the Marlins almost certain to get in. If the Phillies don't, they'll have the second longest playoff drought in baseball behind the Mariners. That's depressing. Like, that's just, there's no way to feel good about that. 2011 NLDS was the last Phillies playoff game. That was the Giants, wasn't it? Was that the uh, Giants Cardinals. Here? That was Cardinals. Was that the nothing. David Freeze uh, series? thing against uh, Chris Carpenter with Halliday and 102 win season. There was, I, I, we've said this before. It's stupid how the 2008 <laughs> Phillies team was the one that won the World Series. Yep, there was. They were the worst out of all of those years, and and they dominated. Yeah, they do. They killed everyone in the playoffs. Yep. I don't get it. <laughs> they only lost. That's why baseball is so stupid. It's the <laughs> dumbest sport on the planet because it's like you have 162 games. You should walk into every playoff series and be like, "We are clearly. We've played so many games. We can show definitively we are a great team." It's like. Up, swept in the first series. See you later. Bye. <laughs> it's just so <laughs> stupid. Like I'm pretty sure 2008, they only lost one game each series. I think, yeah, because they played Milwaukee, and I think they lost one. Yes, they lost game two in that one. Uh, they lost one to the Dodgers because they beat them in five games, and then Rays in five. What a concept. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it's every year we get further away. Twelve years unbelievable it's just it's depressing but i'll say this i'll go into this offseason with more optimism than i did last year because i think the task is so simple because if you don't fix the bullpen this time around like you, someone's gonna die <laughs> someone's there's something bad is gonna happen to someone <laughs> and i'm not naming names here but I'm just saying, there's going to be physical harm to a yeah. person if we don't sign some some bullpen pitchers this offseason. Because th- that's that's where it gets into just complete negligence. And I uh, you have to hope that that's, that's the decision that happens this year. But Clentax JT comments this week. Scale of one to head through the wall. How annoyed were you? Uh, I was at a pulled out the Google Maps to see where the interview was and how quickly I could get there and smash him. <laughs> that's a, that's whatever, wherever that falls on that I scale. wanted to throw my phone. I was livid after. he he One, he dodged the question. And two, yeah, Sixto's been fantastic, but, you know, when you trade him for JT, you're, you're just going into it knowing that you're only going to get two years. What are you saying? Yeah, like, I did not like the language being used there. Horrible. Um, does not instill me with with lots of confidence and uh, makes me, frankly, very nervous. I the, the the JT thing. I I truly think that like, and I think this is the heart speaking above the mind. I think that we're just going to screw him over and wait for him to get an offer that's going to be below what he wanted originally. You know, something like I don't know, like. 10 million let's say and that's what we're going to go with instead of just paying him what he deserves because we've shown that we're just a cheap organization whatever 
Um, yeah, I mean, Clintac, I, he's just the worst. I saw a poll. I, I, I don't know if it was WIP put up who's the best GM yeah. in like Philly sports. And it's like, I don't want to vote for any of these people. <laughs> None of them. None of them. Somehow Chuck Fletcher had like 80% of the vote. I think it's because he's the one that hasn't screwed up yeah, the most. I would most say Chuck right now. But that's only because he hasn't done anything. Right. He's, he's done nothing to be held accountable for. <laughs> right. Uh, I did see a poll today, too. If you could, like, essentially boot one out of town, no questions asked, who would it be? It I think was, it's Matt Klintak. It was Klintak, Al Horford, <laughs> Howie Roseman, and I forget who the other one was, but it was it was those three. Clintac is the one that I think has done the most harm. Yes. And Al Horford, you know, like he didn't he just got offered the contract and he signed it. Like that wasn't his you know <laughs> he didn't choose that necessarily, so what can he do? Um but yeah, I mean Clintac has been like actively The Phillies bad. won't win a, anything until Clintac is gone. I like, agree. He is so detrimental to this team that no, like they literally traded. Say what you want about Nick Pavetta, but they literally traded a potential number three, number four guy in the rotation in Connor Siebold for Heath Hembry and Brandon Workman. Yeah, I mean, and also gave up Connor Siebold so that they could get eight hundred thousand dollars back to pay Brandon Workman and Heath Hembry, so they wouldn't go over the luxury tax. Yeah, so I I was never like a Nick Pavetta believer but even i can like look at that situation be like all right like if you're gonna get rid of him just to kind of get rid of the headache whatever but like when you're when you're getting worse than what you had with i'd Pavetta, rather have pavetta right now yeah i mean honestly because at least like you'd i i yeah i would feel at least more secure with him because he he still gave you the odd good performance mm -hmm. you know like he was obviously like i think he was just a, a hard person to manage i don't mean that anything negative on him i don't have like a negative view on pavetta as like a person or a player right. i just think he's like a I think he's just kind of like a guy that needs like a hand around the shoulder and i don't know that like this phillies team is prioritizing that very much um so who knows but yeah it's just it's it's bad management which is which is not great and i've seen people turn, turning on joe girardi which i don't really care for it makes but, no sense like i listen and, and and a lot has been like thrown like well like we should have never like Gabe leave. It's like I think we have forgotten very quickly how just completely apathetic Gabe was. Like I'm I'm sorry. Like I I think Gabe will find success at some point in his career as a manager. It might even be with the Giants. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Um, but I think he was just a young, inexperienced guy, clearly in his first like major role as as a manager, and was struggling with that. Was struggling with the weight of that. And I, I think he was just wasn't – I think it was a big learning experience for him. And, and I mean, he's got the Giants ready to make the playoffs ahead of the Phillies. Right. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't doubt his, necessarily his ability as a manager, but I think, he was, I think we've forgotten that he was very green and started off on a – literally from game one, mm -hmm. started off on a very bad foot, I think, just in the minds of fans. And, and those things stick and linger, and you're always going to be viewed with that lens. Like – Doug Peterson is always going to be viewed with rose-tinted glasses simply yep. because he won a Super Bowl, right? Like, he could be terrible, right? I mean, and and people would be like, well, you know, they, they, they love him still, right? Because of the ice cream clips. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Gabe Kapler, bad first decision on game one, hate him for the rest of his career. Fair or unfair, I don't know. But I think Gabe also had more legitimate problems that I think it was fair to dismiss him and try something new. So I... It's it's rough wherever you look for the Phillies. I will say though that like no matter what happens, 
I'm actually much more optimistic going to this offseason than I've been. But even saying that, I'm like nervous saying that because I, I'm not. I'm actually not so sure. Can you guess what uh, Nick Pavetta's ERA is in his one start with the uh, with the Red Sox? Two point one four. One point eight in five innings, gave up four hits, one earned run, walked three, struck out eight. Yet we have Heath Henry with a nine million ERA. It's and also it's just a scumbag person. It's insane to me that like bullpen depth and ability is like clearly like a major strength in baseball and we're just like nah <laughs> we're just we're not gonna focus on that whatsoever like not even like we're gonna like go like the the fringe method here and just kind of just get guys on the edges like no we're just gonna completely They're terrified because of the injury to david robertson to spend money on this bullpen I think it's spending money in general. I and yeah. I, and I, I think John Milton got des- burned on deserves, deserves quite a bit of uh of, of crud oh, for yeah. that because listen, like you can't make the comments that you made about wanting to spend stupid money and that you'll spend whatever it takes to get back and then you making trades like you did for for Pavetta to what, eight hundred grand? Like you're a billionaire, dude. Like it's You wake s- up and that's in your pocket. Yeah, like, like and you didn't have to work for it, by the way. You just were born yeah. into a family and you, you didn't build that empire yourself, Chief. So I don't want to hear it. All right. You just were born Puff on that. Like, like give me a good team and I won't guillotine you, maybe. Four games left, do they make the playoffs? Oh <laughs> I mean you only gotta go play one of the best teams at baseball. No big deal. <laughs> um I'm going to say no so that they actually do. Now, I, in my gut, I truly feel that they will, but I, I don't know that it'll – I think they lose in the first round. But I think I I'm think they say, squeak in. I'm going to say no in. right now because came out today, Reese more than likely not going to play the rest of the regular season. Phillies are 5-10 and 10 without Reese in the lineup this year. He's a problem, though. We should trade him. Terrible. Um and I think it's just more fuel to get Klintak out of here. And if you ask me right now, would I rather the Phillies make the playoffs or Matt Klintak get fired? I point. would leaps and bounds say Matt Klintak get fired. That's a fair point. Because then you will have hope to make the playoffs consistently once he's gone. Which reminds me of a very funny, unrelated, very Matt tangent about to go on. Liverpool was really bad for quite a bit of time. Steven Gerrard, a club captain, legend. Um, there's this like famous anecdote of there's we had this terrible manager named Roy Hodgson who's better now and has always been a good manager but for us it was absolutely awful really really bad Jard wins a penalty and we're at such a point in that season where another loss probably would have done Roy in and Steven Gerrard is great at penalties like this is like Ryan Howard stepping up to the plate you know what's coming next right like you know it's a big show looks over at the bench Looks back at the keeper, looks over the bench again, looks at the keeper, misses the penalty. <laughs> and it's like that situation. It's like, you know what? If I'm looking over at the bench and I see that Clint Tech's sitting there, like, giving me the thumbs up, I'm like, all right. <laughs> it's kind of like Bryce, I'm striking out. <laughs> it's kind of like when Bryce pulled himself out of the game the other day. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, my, my back's not holding up. Like, got to go. Yeah. So I agree. If, if, I mean, if you gave me those options right now, yeah, it's no playoffs. But selfishly, I just want playoffs back. But again, the reason I want the playoffs is to go watch the Phillies play when it's like kind of cold out. Because there's nothing, there's nothing better than fall baseball. There's like nothing better than that. The only thing better is spring baseball. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> which I'm probably one of those sickos that has already started thinking about spring training 2021. I mean, that's all we have to look forward to, isn't it? We'll yeah. see. I mean, maybe, who knows? Maybe by spring we'll be able to go back to games. Lovely. Really cross those fingers, but. Great for our brand. Yeah. Um, what happens first? Clentech getting fired or the Sixers hiring a head coach? <laughs> We're going on over a month now. Um, I actually think the Sixers because it seems like things. So Ugh. Tyron Liu, uh, the Clippers obviously eliminated now. And it seemed like there was, whether it's tentative or more concrete, there was some kind of agreement there, at least talks. We know that there's there's obviously mutual interest. Um, so now that he's out of the playoffs, you can actually like really like make that happen. Um, Mike D'Antoni, here's here's the kind of in a similar vein to what you just said with with Klintak and you know would you rather make the playoffs and keep him or miss the playoffs lose Klintak. I think there's a similar kind of A and B option with D'Antoni and Ty Lue because D'Antoni, the noise around him has been, if he comes, it's going to have to be changes, which is like in the lineup. That came and, out today. And, and trading players. Now, they were very mysterious about who specifically, but yeah. I, you have to imagine Hal Horford's one of those guys. Although, he's a kind of an ideal big man for, for D'Antoni's system. Like He's a good passer on the ball. He can shoot decently well. He's a pretty like versatile defender, um, so you can only wonder who might be on that trading block with him. But let's say there's wholesale changes with D'Antoni or Tyloo. Things probably pretty much the same. Like I don't know that he's a guy that demands certain changes be made to, to go towards a different style. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. It seems like it's between those guys too, and I think we we discussed this a little bit that. D'Antoni, I think, philosophically and maybe tactically has the edge on Ty Lue. But I think if you're talking about, you know, who you'd rather kind of, like, mold a team and have, like, more of a player's coach, if you will, to use a cliche, I think Ty Lue's that kind of guy. Um, but, we, you know, you can't lose sight of the fact that D'Antoni's been a great coach for a very long time. He's revolutionized basketball, like, multiple times. He does have some familiarity with the Sixers already. It's not like, you know, he's walking in and, um, he's not like a Colangelo either, where I think he kind of has this like inflated idea of himself. I think the only one of the only negative things you can say about D'Antoni is he's never just had that like big success. Like he's always kind of just fell short. Um, you know, he had like those 07 like Suns teams, right, that were just amazing to watch. And then with the Rockets, it's kind of the same thing where they're amazing to watch, but just it, some of it's luck, but never really got to that next level. So it's an interesting choice to have to make between the two. Because they're two coaches also at very different stages of their career. Uh, Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer tweeted today that uh, rumblings of Mike D'Antoni going to the Sixers have gotten much louder this past day. Nothing's final. I'm just intrigued since his preferred style isn't a fit for Philly's roster. It'd be weird. Would hiring him be a precursor to changes to modernize the team? Mike D'Antoni does love CP3. We've talked about how we don't want the CP3 Band-Aid, but that's just... Think Ben's going to like Oklahoma? <laughs> and then more reports today about Sixers and Kings have rejuvenated trade talks about Buddy Heald. I mean, if it gets for Al Horford, I'll talk If it's Al Horford for Buddy Heald, like, let's, let's business, Hop baby. in the truck, Al. I'll drive you. <laughs> I don't know. I, I Until we get, like... The, the the rumor was that the players that they're talking about to are Horford, Josh Richardson, and Tobias. 
we both have said we don't see Tobias getting moved just because of the contract. But the other two, I'd say, are full-blown on the table. Yeah, I mean, Josh Richardson especially, you're going to have to pay soon. And um, he's on a pretty like uh, good contract right now. I think he's, what, 11 or $12 million mm-hmm. a year? But that's, I think, expiring this season. Yeah, so he's in the final year of his deal now. You know, the Sixers are already in such a tough position. I can't imagine them wanting to, to pay Josh Richardson, who I think is, like, flown under the radar in terms of, like, his hasn't been too great. But I, I don't want to – I like him. Mm-hmm. I, but he's not really been what we needed at all. Not been any type of replacement for what we lost with Jimmy. So. Imagine if we had Jimmy Butler, though. I don't. I like it. It's been really actually hard to watch basketball because it just makes yeah. me sick. <laughs> yeah, I, I've actually noticed this with sports. Um, with like anytime my team isn't playing, I've definitely been tuned out. Much less interested in sports this year. I don't know if it's the bubble thing. I don't know if it's just this year sucked and it's just like <laughs> I've been doing a lot of things I usually enjoy. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's just you know because there's been so much talk about like the ratings are down for the NFL ratings down for the NBA. And it's like, yeah, I like, I get it. Cause like I, I try and watch NBA games. I'm like, I don't really care. Like Mm -hmm. there's no fans there. It just feels like, it just feels so bizarre. The thing with the NFL though, cause people are saying that it's false. The digital ratings are through the roof. Yeah. But you know, like it's just, I, I, you look at that and you think like, you know what? Like I, I genuinely, Outside of, like, my own teams that I, like, personally watch, I've watched significantly less sports than I, I typically would. You know, the only thing I watch that's the same is, like, I still watch Red Zone pretty much mm-hmm. the entire Sunday. That's that's it. But, like, you know, like, soccer, I've, like, definitely watched, like, a little less than I typically would outside of, like, my, my teams that I, I usually do. And, yeah, I mean, basketball. I feel like it's because we were without it for so long. Yeah. That it was just like, oh, okay, like, I can get by. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It, especially, like, when you don't have someone to root for, it's, it just seems... Because, again, without just the usual atmosphere, it just seems uh, very hollow. Like, watching, like, the NHL playoffs without fans is very strange. No NBA fan. Like, it's just... Like, seeing people, like, lift the championship without fans there is just yeah. going to be very uncomfortable. But that's the world we live in, isn't it? Union, though. Watch, watching our boys Doing play right thing. now, playing FC Cincinnati, one of the... One of the worst teams in the league, but I don't want to say that too loud because <laughs> I'd like to win tonight and I don't want to chance it. Um, probably the biggest news is Brendan Aronson. A verbal agreement has been reached with RB Salzburg, um, which is a good move for him. Could be a good move for the union as well because if there's any kind of sell-on clause, it's obviously going to be more money for them. Um, but nothing's been like announced formally yet, and even if he does get sold – it seems like he's going to stay for the rest of the season, then move on, you know, like in January. Um, but for him, that's a great move. Salzburg, uh, coached by Jesse Marsh, who's like one of the best, if not the best American coaches we have right now, moves abroad, willing to learn the new language, right? Like plays exciting, like young style. Like it's a great system. Like Red Bull has like its issues with their, their system and how they've done things. Um, but one thing I don't think you can deny is that their like youth development has been really good. We've seen American players go to that RB system and work well. Tyler Adams, like one of our best players that we have, absolutely killing it at Leipzig right now. So it could be a really good move for Brandon Aronson to move on. And um, it's, a, it's a good stepping stone. Salzburg is a club that really prioritize youth and developing them and then moving them on up the ladder, which is huge, I think, if you're looking at like American sports. And I think ultimately the more frequently 
we get American players, and this is speaking just beyond the union, more frequently we get American players into like the, the better European leagues or at least European competitions, the better for the, the U.S. national team going forward because you look at the guys that we have playing for top teams now, that was not, <laughs> was not a thing. I, I think back to the days where like Clint Dempsey at Fulham was like the biggest thing or when Landon Donovan would get loaned back to Everton you know, when he wasn't playing for the Galaxy, it was, like, huge news. It sounds like Christian Pulisic is, like, the number 10 at Chelsea. Uh, Gio Reyna is, like, starting for Dortmund right now and playing, like, really, really well, and, and is, he's only 18. Like, these are just, like, instances that, like, we only could have dreamed of. So, if he goes through and, and he goes, obviously going to miss him, but this is the whole point of developing players is that you constantly have this kind of pipeline of players that can develop, um, and the important thing is to make decisions around that. So... You're obviously going to kind of be a selling team, which is okay because you can still sell. And if you make smart decisions like Martinez that you bring in the summer or, or Prishpilko, like when you make signings like that, that can kind of hold the line and continually be very, very good. That's that's the good position you find yourself in. So shout out to the union because they're, they're <laughs> amazing. Thanks. I mean, they're like, this is just the best fit. You know what's crazy about the union too is that like, so they play in Chester, but they are the most like definitively Philadelphia team. Like, yes. there's so many homegrown like players like from the area. Like Brendan Aronson's like from uh, Medford. Mm-hmm. Uh, McKenzie is from like Northern Delaware, I think. Like all the like Jim Curtin's like from the area. Like everyone involved with this team is like a. Remember when everyone wanted to fire Jim Curtin? Yeah. Well, I have to say he. I mean, even going into last year, he had faced a lot of criticism. But I think what the Union have done is is. It deserves tons of praise because they really overhauled the youth team to make make us a developmental club, which mm-hmm. is, I think, good. I Ultimately, I view the MLS going forward as a league that develops players that can move on and be uber successful. And we've seen it. Alfonso Davies it starts with Vancouver, right? Goes to Bayern Munich. It's now one of... It's hard to say, right? Because he's had eight months of good play, but he's one of the top left backs in Europe. Just won the Champions League, the treble with Bayern Munich, and playing. He's playing with one of the best teams in the world, if not the best team in the world. You know, depending on how you look at it. Like, and he's he's a vital piece of that team. Like, that's huge. Tyler Adams develops, goes well, now playing really well. Like Almiron, like goes to Newcastle, like he's playing well there, looking really good. Like you have like these success stories, and I think that's where the MLS should be kind of moving towards is. The, the union type of model because McKenzie could also be going, uh, you know, this, this year as well. So, and that's, that's the whole point is that you're constantly developing guys, bringing in exciting talent, playing the young guys and moving them on and kind of having this good developmental flow, but you got to love the union doing the damn thing. Uh, just like you guys are on the Twitter machine. Apparently a Twitter purge is going on right now too. A bunch of people, uh, being viewed as bots on Twitter that are real humans. Oh boy. Um, but make sure you guys are following us on Twitter on the internet. Everyone is a bot except for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Twitter and Instagram at underground PHI. We've had intern Christian in the chat clipping the show. So we're going to start posting clips of the show on Instagram and on Twitter. Very excited about that. As Andrew McCutcheon just hit a home run to put the Phillies up four to one. Um, maybe they will make the playoffs and shut me up. But hopefully Matt Clintex still gets fired. I would like both <sighs> of those things. That would be fun. Uh, but like I said, Twitter, Instagram, at UndergroundPHI. You can follow Matt on Twitter, at Matt Castorina. You can follow me on Twitter, at KBIZZL311. 
And make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how you feel about the Union. The Eagles' struggles. The Phillies, will they make the playoffs or not? How you feel about this Sixer situation? Anything that comes to mind, leave it in your Apple Podcast review. Five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too. You can check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Radio.com. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Uh, content coming out this week. New OTB episode with uh, the villain of the PLL bubble, Matt Gaudette, just got drafted into the National Lacrosse League. Absolutely amazing conversation I had with him. You'll hear that on Friday over on the OTB feed. Follow Outside the Box at OTB Laxpod, Twitter and Instagram. New episode of Eagles Enemies drops on Friday with uh, our Bengals inside scoop, Chrissy Freud from uh, PFN. Going to be a lot of fun to chat with her about Joe Burrow because she also covers LSU. She knows Joe Burrow like the back of her hand. Uh, Very excited for that conversation and a whole bunch of other stuff going on very very soon so you got to follow us on social to keep up to date check out the website undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com pat pitts will have his uh stardom sit blog up tomorrow morning for fantasy football and a new episode of fourth and goal will be in your podcast feeds as well shout out to our amazing local sponsors main auto llc douche arms pro foot security 21 paul j gillespie incorporated bob novick auto mall Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And, of course, our kick-ass merch provider, Design Tree, DSGNTree.com. Search Underground Sports Philadelphia. Bryce Harper shirts are still in there. You can reminisce on Bryce's luxurious long locks and hopefully wear it for the playoffs. Hoodie season is here as well. Hoodies are available with the Bryce Harper design in our storefront. Use the promo code DSGN5. Saves you five bucks off your entire order. Friends over at Tomahawk Shades doing the damn thing. TomahawkShades.com. Promo code USP at checkout. Saves you 25% off your entire order. And all orders right now, $75 and over, qualify for free shipping. And then, of course, our friends over at Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Use the code USP to save 20% off your order and get free shipping. The Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer is back in stock. Go get it now while supplies last. Manscaped.com. Promo code USP, 20% off, and free shipping. Any final thoughts, Matt? Nothing. (laughs) That's business, baby. This has been uh, Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 268. For Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Peace. My people's chance.